Thanks for tuning in. My name's Andre Servin, and you're listening to Off the Roost Podcast, brought to you by Off the Roost Custom Calls, turkey calls for the serious hunter. Join me and my co-host, Paul Murdahl, as we delve into the world of the wild turkey, covering everything from calling tips and tactics and hunting strategies to the latest equipment available, featuring interviews from special guests and custom call giveaways. We'll do our best to keep you up to date on this obsession we call turkey hunting. We appreciate you joining us. Now let's get on with the show. Hey there, welcome to Off the Roost Podcast. You're listening to episode four, and uh, we are here with a great call maker, one of my favorite call makers, and uh, his name is Ronnie Hardy. And uh, this is a cool guy. What I like about uh, Ronnie a lot is uh, he cares a lot about kind of creating an impression uh, for his clients. It's not just a, uh, he doesn't just kind of sell you the product. Uh, I know with me, when I first purchased one of his calls, he called me, I think it was Memorial Day or something like that, but he just kind of called me and wanted to know what I thought about about the call and how my spring was going and all that. So, uh, you know, that's not something that you're going to get a lot from, from call makers, somebody that kind of takes the time out of their day to call people that they've sold the calls to. And uh, just kind of get their feedback on the call and kind of build that uh, that customer relationship right there. But uh, um, so that I think this is going to be a, a great episode, uh, Paul. Great. Yeah, I I've actually purchased a couple of um, hearty hearty mouth calls here recently, and and the the quality seems to be pretty good. And I actually, you know, he he I got his four one of his four read calls, and and I got. Uh, a two and a half or a, the Buckeye cutter or whatever he calls it. And both of them are pretty good. I actually, actually liked them. The, the, the three read call was a little higher, a little crisper, seemed to be stretched maybe a little tighter. Mm-hmm. Maybe the latex was a little thicker. And then the four read call, I was under the impression that it was going to be real difficult to blow, but it was actually pretty easy. Nice. I, I, I thought it was, I actually thought it was a little easier than the, than the, um, the Buckeye cutter that he had. Yeah, so that, and, that was pretty uh, good. From what I understand, he's uh, one of the few guys uh, making the four read calls. Not saying that you can't get a four read call from somebody else, but they just, from what I understand, they just kind of don't make the four reads as much right, as they from, used to. From so. what it sounds like, it may be a special order type deal or something. Yep, yep. And uh, what I like about his calls too is uh, they're very consistent, man. They're very consistent. When you go to you know, one of the the big box stores and you're buying mouth mouth calls from them from there. You know, a lot of these things are being mass produced, but, uh, you know, Ronnie's I've noticed the consistency is there and that's important. You know, you don't want something that somebody just kind of slapped together. You want something where, you know, they make sure that everything is how it's supposed to be Uh, and quality stuff too. Uh, another thing I want to mention is, uh, the tape on the mouth calls, it doesn't get all soggy and start to kind of uh, kind of wither away like some mouth calls can. And we actually kind of spoke about that, just making sure to use that quality tape. So um, with that said, Paul, you ready to dive into it? No, not, not, not quite yet. Um, I was just going to talk about, you know, a little bit about how easy of a winter we, we've had so far. It has. It has been and, a pretty easy winter. And, and it seems to be um, timed, you know, pretty good from, from what I've been hearing across the across the country this fall. There seems to have been a pretty pretty severe mass failure in in a lot of areas. So really like this this um this um mild winter so far might be the what the doctors has, has ordered, you know, the, a lot of the turkeys up to this point haven't had to rely heavily on the on the high 
high energy food sources that they would have in and say like a normal winter that we had you know it's I, yeah it's funny you mention that because over here in minnesota we're just now kind of barely starting to get some snow when i would say on average there'd probably maybe be a foot of snow on the ground already and uh and it's also right. I, hasn't been that cold yet it's just now starting to get cold right winter's coming yep and right. so I actually I, I actually drove by a lake lake elmo that was still wide open here no kidding as of, as of today wow. so <laughs> that, yeah and then i think normally by this time of the year they're driving vehicles on it yep they sure are i know uh the lake by me um i think it has frozen over um but nobody wants to walk out there nope. yet nope. Nope. yeah i mean they're they're not even barely going out up up north i think they're walking out up north where normally they're dragging their fish houses and stuff out and got their shacks set up by this time oh, normally so for sure so hopefully that bodes well for the turkeys i know mm -hmm. you know for the last few years we've been having pretty severe winters up here the last couple have just been deep deep snow but you know about five six years ago i think we've had we had some some pretty good snow and some really super cold temperatures i think one stretch we had in February, it was like the whole month of February was was below zero. Yeah. And that um that really did a number on the turkeys where I hunt them up, up in northern Minnesota. It, it it dropped their numbers, you know, pretty good for a couple of years, but they're yep. they're rebounding nicely. I was surprised after the, the deep snow we had the last couple couple years, but they, they didn't seem to be affected by the deep snow so much as they are the severe cold. So fingers yeah. are crossed. Oh yeah. Seen, seen a lot of poults last summer. Nice. Way up to the cabin, so it was pretty cool. Nice. Hey, 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 hey. Before, um, before we get into this interview with Hardy, I wanted to make a note here about the um, the music, the guitar in the intro. Yep. That's pre pretty sweet guitar. Um, who, who's playing that guitar? It's funny that you mentioned that, Paul, because uh, that is me. That is me playing the guitar. <laughs> That's you. That's right. Got, got the old uh, Telecaster out to record that, yeah. <laughs> it's sweet, sweet. Yep. I suppose you, I suppose you got a bunch of tattoos to go along with that. I do, I do. <laughs> I have a uh, over a decade, more than a decade of tattoos on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get them as much as I used to anymore, though. Any, maybe any, twice a year, maybe. Any wild turkey tattoos yet? <sighs> yeah. I got these turkey tracks on my arm right here. There you go. Oh, yeah. you, know, you, you didn't do them like the barbed wire going around the bicep. Right? Oh, that's a good idea. If anybody's listening, you need to get a barbed wire turkey tracks going around your arm. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Cool. Let's get into this. All right. Here we go. Okay, cool. So we are here uh, with a call maker from, uh, I believe it's Virginia, right? West by God, Virginia. West, West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia. By God. We had, yep. another, we had another guest on from Virginia last time, and I guess that's where the confusion kind of came. Um, cool. So I know I know about you, but why don't you go ahead and just what, introduce yourself what, to the guests? Uh, what, what's that? What part of West Virginia are you in? I'm in the uh, eastern panhandle, like uh, Morgantown, WVU College. I'm two hours east. Of All right. Uh, so, Ronnie, uh, why don't you go ahead and kind of uh, break down, uh, I guess, you know, what you do, what your call company is, and, and that whole thing. Yep, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, be with you guys and uh, chat a little bit about me and what I do. Uh, Ronnie Hardy is my name, and my company is called uh, Hardy's Custom Game Calls. Uh, started that company early 90s and really didn't do a whole lot with it. And it kind of like, um, as I was making calls, getting calls going and people was liking them, then it turned hobby. You hear how some people hobbies turn out to be a profession or a business. Well, that's exactly what happened. So once I blew kind of birth in it, 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 it kind of took off. But the backspin of that is my old man that raised me um, was a big turkey made all these calls, did everything, um, and brought me into it when I was five, six, seven, eight years old. So the love of it was always there. It was just getting there, you know, getting 
machinery, getting the people and, and getting, you know, the right people around you to, to get going. But now we're pretty much a, a full-fledged uh, full fledged um, game call company. We got turkey, we got deer, we got waterfowl, we got uh, predator as predators are starting to grow now, especially up probably where you guys are up north. Uh, it's a little bit bigger than, you know, down here on the southeast and the south here, but we got the bobcats, the coyotes, and everything else. But, but yeah, just, a, you know, a small in a nutshell, but uh, we're predominantly, we love deer hunting because that's the next thing's up after spring, but we, we're we big turkey guys. Nice. When um, you did your, is that something comic in your dad? Did he just start doing it or did he have some, some influences or something like that that, that got him along? When turkeys was introduced back in here in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, really a turkey call, all you really had was a box call. That was really all you had. So then the diaphragm calls, the mouth calls started working in, in the early 80s. So you had some companies come in with uh, the mouth calls, which he could never use. So I'll get into that later, but that really spiked me to figure out how to build them, get a press, get your latex. So there's a thousand recipes to build a mouth call just because you do a, um, uh, let's just say, um, a ghost cut. Just if you do a two-read ghost cut, there's a thousand ways to make a two-read ghost cut. With your latex, your thickness, thickness, how you stretch it, how do you get, how do you put it onto your press? But it was predominantly box calls back then. So when he would play a box call, my, my love for a box call was just crazy. And I'm still a box call nut. Love making box calls. I'm a box call guy. If somebody asks me, says, "What call do I need in your palate? You need a box call." Well, I don't want my hand motion. Just get a box call. <laughs> So that's 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 pretty much how it started. He was a basketball guy. Then we got into the slates, and they were starting involving and getting going. He was changing with times, but he was always trying to make something and do something instead of buying, you know, the box stores. Call. You know, I think uh, just right out of the gate, uh, for like the average person, the and maybe just in general too, a box call is probably the most realistic tone like a person's going to be able to get. Uh, unless someone's really, really good with the mouth call, uh, just being able to get a good box call and yelping on that thing, it's going to sound really nice. Yeah. Box call is hard to beat. To me, a box call is all turkey, 100%. 100%. Mouth calls, right. calls, you can sound good, and you hear on the calling competitions, the guys running mouth calls sounding excellent. And the mouth call was really designed and brought out for hands-free shooting your bow shooting your shotgun and a, but a box call is 100 percent turkey every time so would you say that you primarily kind of hunt with one of your box calls always two always two in my pouch okay. always two yeah okay and so uh, I, I would imagine you have a couple other like diaphragms you made up and a couple pots that you bring along with too I do. I do. That's like uh, fishing. If one lure worked, you wouldn't need a tackle box. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. For, for a fact, yeah. And so I know you mentioned you're from West Virginia. Uh, I take it most of your hunting is predominantly in West Virginia, but I see on Facebook that you do a little bit of traveling as well. Uh, I know you were in Michigan, uh, I think like a couple of years ago. I don't know if you go out there every year, but uh, where would you say you kind of do a lot of your hunting? Uh, talking about Michigan, I, I try to go up every year up to the UP and in the UP, you're up, you're up North, you yeah. know, and it, they got hard winters and normally you don't see long beards, real, real long beards. Cause a lot of people want a big long beard bird and yeah. I get it what it's about. And, you know, but it's the thrill of the hunt, working the bird, calling the bird. So I go to, still go to Michigan every year. I got some good buddies up there. Uh, Mike Pelletier with hardcore pursuit. Um, we sponsored their TV show. And we, we hunt with them guys every year, and they got some property up there. And, and you become family after, I think, I've been with them 17 years on their TV uh -huh. show. Mm -hmm. So we go up, we hunt there. Uh, Minnesota, southeast Minnesota. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Spring Grove, right across the river there from La Crosse. Yep. Yep, yep. hunting birds there. Uh, Illinois, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, uh, Tennessee, uh, just cover some area there. There's more places I would love to go, but that's the time that I'm busy uh, manufacturing and oh, yeah. shipping to my dealers. I have a lot of stores that carry my product. Yes. So I love to go hunt, but I got to make sure they get the product too because they got a very short window to be able to sell it. 
So, yeah. so it sounds like sounds like mainly it's Easterns for you then. Yep, yep, Easterns, yep, yep. I've been to Kansas, been to Texas, but I don't get to go there every year. So I didn't mention them, not that I'm abandoning them, but I didn't get to mention them because I'm kind of glued back at the shop, making sure everything's taken care of. Yeah, yeah that's like the, the double-edged sword of like doing something like this. You know, it's like something that you're passionate about, something that you love, but on the opposite hand of that, you're also working when everybody is out there hunting and doing all that because that's when you got to send all the stuff out because i know for me like i I like to kind of start doing stuff in the winter time so that way when spring rolls around i'm rocking and rolling um uh which i actually in my little arsenal i use uh it's the the black and yellow a batwing what is that the blitz uh exotic pen yes sir yes and then uh oh i think the and then i used uh the yellow and the green one which one's at the Green Bay? Green Bay Cutter. Green Bay Cutter. I use that one. And then uh, I have the uh, split personality. The, uh, the uh, I think it's glass and then slate, right? Yep. 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 Double. Oh. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, I know when I've spoke to you before, uh, you know, I know you were talking about earlier about sending your stuff out to uh, stores and stuff like that. Uh, one thing that you were telling me that kind of helps because I love the quality of your products, you know, they're even with mouth calls, some guys get a little bit lazy with them. And some of the, the, the companies that where they get sent out to, to the big stores, um, I notice that the quality kind of goes down, but your quality is very consistent. And that's one thing that I look for. Uh, and I know you've mentioned it to me before that the reason that you're able to kind of to do that is because you're not making these ginormous orders that are, going out to, you know, like the Cabela's, the Bass Pros, all that places. And you're kind of focusing a little bit more on kind of like the mom and pop shop stores, which is where I found uh, uh, one of your calls was in a, a, it was a cabin fever here in Minnesota. And uh, so, so if somebody wants to purchase one of your calls, it's either going to be at one of the little stores, right? Uh, One of the, the local, local uh, sporting goods stores or on your website, correct? It is. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is. Um, we're building our dealer network. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously customgamecalls.com and, yes. you know, correct for me. And as I'm growing my dealer network, like yours, like where I'm West Virginia, Minnesota, that's a long ways away. Absolutely. And with in fever, I never walked into their store. I've never met them. They wouldn't know me if I walked in their door, and I wouldn't know them if they didn't walk into my shop. But they were uh, customers like you went in one time and said, "Hey, you need to bring Hardy's Custom Game Calls in here. They got some good stuff." Then I can't remember if they told me to call them or they called me. Then we a relationship, and here we are six years in. The buyer calls me or I call the buyer. He's like, you know, Hardy, yep, I'm glad you got it. Just send me what you sent me last year and let's go with it, you know. But, yes, and and, and if somebody sees uh, a store getting low in their product, you know, reach out to, you know, their buyer and tell them, say, hey, you better get some more Hardy's calls or reach out to me. Or if somebody that wants them in their sporting goods stores that doesn't have them reach out to me or reach out to the buyer there or the owner and have them reach out to me. I'll be glad to have a conversation with them just to make sure we're a good fit. And that could be done. I take it. There's like an email contact uh, on your website, correct? It is. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Why, why don't you plug the website again? Cause I, I kind of missed it the first time. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It's a uh, Hardy's Hardy's custom calls.com. Gotcha. Um, now, I'm sure this might be a little bit difficult for you to do off the top of your head. And if sure. it's too much, then, you know, uh, would you know uh, where, like what states your calls are available in uh, from local dealers? Yes, sir. West Virginia. West okay. Virginia covered up, but there's still always some room here. Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania. Um, we have Michigan. We have Minnesota. We have Wisconsin. We have... Um, New Mexico, in the states of New Mexico, we have Texas, we have uh, Nevada, we got Nevada out there, uh, Tennessee, of course, Alabama, and I know I'm bouncing around, I'm just trying to think geographic in my mind, New Hampshire, we got Maine, uh, there might be some, 
might be some that I'm missing. And I'm sorry for those states if you're watching this that I did miss you, but it's 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 kind of hard, like you said, to probably just cover real quickly. But yeah, for sure. Um, so, okay. So you carry, uh, mouth calls, diaphragm calls, um, slate calls, and you do make the box calls, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So for somebody that was uh, going to purchase one of your calls, uh, to start off with, they've never purchased a call uh, from you before. Which one would you recommend they, they pick up? Box call. Is there a specific one that you carry that they should look into? No, every one that I build and tune, I hand tune every one of them. Every one of them is going to run pretty, pretty good. And it's going to be pretty easy. You don't have to put a lot of pressure to it. Mm-hmm. Um, like Art Mahogany, it's got a little more raspy sound to it. Uh, then you go on the other side, my little cedar, little cedar box call is little. It holds in your hand. It's five and a half inches, and you can run that call so easy. So the the difference is what call should they get? I would say get a box call. Each wood and the vibration makes a different hen sound. Right. So reason to have, I mean, you don't want to carry eight or nine box calls with you, but I would say at least two. Okay. So now when, you, when you're tuning your, your box calls up, are you kind of getting both sides the same? Are you leaving one lower, one higher? Are you doing something like that? No, I try to, uh, when I when I bring my comb, I call it my comb off of your lids and you're bringing them up. I'm bringing them up all pretty level and I run a screw and bring everything in and I'm running. I want that box, that lid to lie halfway on that lid, both sides. Now, on one side, normally your left side, the way I build my stuff, it's going to be a little more higher than on the right side. And it used to be a lot of the manufacturers years ago, you'd have a left side had a gobbler. And the right side, you'd have it, you know, but that, also, that left side, you can still do a hand also as well. But no, I always try to keep a little higher on the left and a little bit older, a little more raspier on the right. So that left side, you kind of get that, we could break in that key, 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 break into the key, key and go into the Yelp. And the right side is a little more older hand. Yeah, I like that, man. That's uh, like you were saying, it's, it's almost like, you're combining the two different calls with one right there. So you don't have to carry, well, like you were saying, at least two. Right. But for a guy that's got something like that, where you have two of those, now you got four calls, you know, if you want to go with the, the higher pitch side or the, uh, I know I've read that uh, some of the older calls, like you mentioned before, there was like the hen side and then the gobbler side. Right. Um, I guess that was uh, something that was, that's, you know, that's, being done. That's me. That'd be my Lynch's world champion. And up, up till I start, started making them here, that's the only box call I had, and I kind of inherited it from my, my granddad. Right. And some, somebody got a hold of it and messed it all up. They, they looks like they took a nail to the soundboard to try to scratch it up, and one of the side soundboards is kind of kind of chipped and not – not running maybe even they might even have tried some sandpaper on it but it's and that would be the gobbler side doesn't sound very good so i really didn't ever get into using it so i really was never in the box calls so much until i started actually making them yeah and a lot of people misuse or not even think about a box call but you're exactly right and when you're talking about lynch lynch was a company that was a pioneer in the industry back in the 60s alabama boy that's that's what started. That's what normally everybody had um, that was a turkey hunter was a box call. And you had to know how to use that box call, put it down when that bird was coming. And back in them days, you were shooting two, three-quarter inch uh, high brass squirrel loads. You didn't have three. You didn't have three and a half. You didn't have TSS. So the, the objective then was call that bird 20, 25 yards from you with a box call that you're moving. No mouth call, right. you know. So that's kind of how I cut my teeth with my old man. As like your old man had that box call, and I'm sure that fella's killed a lot of birds with it. I wouldn't want to skin probably all them turkeys that man killed with that box call. <laughs> I, from, from what I understand, the stories is is Gramps. Um, it was more they went and had a good time, and turkey hunting was just a just a side <laughs> thought. <laughs> I'm, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I would say out here. And I'm 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 not sure what it is uh, over in West Virginia, but uh, out here I would say like deer is definitely the big one out here. Um, and we actually kind of 
it took the NWTF, you know, they did the restocking in like the mid seventies out here. And we weren't able to kind of have our, our first Turkey season until I think the late seventies. And I still think right. that this is really cool is uh, Paul's dad was uh, like one of the first few guys that they let actually go. Uh, it was lottery and his dad actually went out there and I thought that was cool. That's a cool little fact. He, he actually, I think, was in the early 80s, but it wasn't, you know, within three, four, maybe five years from when they had opened. Yeah. Opened up. But but I'm I'm pretty sure it took them three years to get the lottery because that's how it's it always was when we had the lottery. It was always you had to wait three years, you'd get drawn mm-hmm. and you had to wait another three years. So it was kind of a drag. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what that's what got me going to Georgia for extended stays in the spring. You know, I'd go for two, three weeks at a time and just hang out at one of the state parks down there and cut my teeth on turkey hunting, trying to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. That's tough. The old pioneers is hard to beat. Oh yeah. So, what was the first call you ever made? Uh, first one I ever did was a box call, sixth okay. grade sixth grade in shop class we were supposed to make a bird box that's awesome <laughs> yep so made a bird box and i'm trying to figure out how to do a box call because they had the machinery there that i didn't have back home and the old man didn't have yeah make a box call i make this quick so i was trying to make a box call i got the box called now everything looked good teacher comes over to me the shop teacher said my last name's hardy of course he said hardy How's that box or how's that uh, birdhouse going? I said, what birdhouse? He says, what are you doing making a box call? What What are you doing? You got to make this birdhouse. So he flunked me. So I'm oh. going to fail. So I got class and everything was good. So as I'm escalating up through here, probably about 15 years ago, I was at an outdoor show in Morgantown, West Virginia by WBU College. I'm at this show and I see this man working his way up to my booth and he kind of looks familiar. He's kind of older now. You know what I mean? I look a little bit older now. He said, uh, Ronnie Hardy. I said, yes, sir. I said, Mr. Chopper. He says, yes, sir. And he looked across the table and he went back and forth, back and forth. And it was almost a tear in his eye. He says, he said, I'm so glad, boy, I didn't discourage you back in class. I said, you didn't, sir. I said, you pissed me off. (laughs) Yeah. A little motivation. Yep. That was a drive behind it. True story true story so what was he doing at that uh that event what was he doing there uh visiting uh his daughter's grandkids okay and that year it's march you got west virginia madness basketball if either playing that weekend or if they were off i can't remember so many years ago they might have just won i don't know if they played the game or they didn't play the game but he happened there didn't know me hasn't seen me since but when he Kind of struck a chord because he's seen these box calls across my booth there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you, I imagine you built that thing, you went hunting with it. Did you get a gobbler with that first call that you made? That one, I don't, that one there, I can't really say I did or I didn't. I don't think I did. As time went on, I did. I did kill some birds with them because I, I, I kept with a box call because that's where I started with the old man and the love of box call. Then as the, the slate and glass started evolving and getting that in and um, um, the mouth calls, that was a, that was, that was a tricky one. That might mm-hmm. be another, episode, but we can, we can get into them too, how we used to build them way back. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. We can definitely uh, do this again some other time with the mouth calls. Did, did you use the old lead frames? Uh, mayonnaise jar. Mm-hmm. Mayonnaise jar. Yep. So you just cut those things up and fold them over? Yep. You take the regular old mayonnaise jars, used to be glass. Mm-hmm. The old mayonnaise uh, jars was glass, and the lid of it was metal. So we would trace out on that mayonnaise uh, lid uh, the metal like a uh, U, horseshoe. And we take our tin snips and we go in there and cut it. We would foul it down. So we didn't have no crimper. We didn't have anything back then. It was uh, prepolatic, which was like a condom. You know what I mean? You stretch out across a double reed, you cut it, and you would take it down and put adhesive, put adhesive on it. And so once you put it in, we didn't have that excess tape that seals off the airflow. So you had to put that up in your mouth and learn how to run that thing. If you had a big pallet, small pallet, or long pallet, you had to learn how to run it. 
So when you were doing that, how did you feel when you first started getting a tone out of there? When you're like, hey, I, I think I got a cluck. <laughs> yep. I, actually, my first notes out of one was Kiki. Okay. Yep. It was a Kiki. So there I started are- playing with it, started playing with it, and, and started getting it down and started experimenting with it and started getting it going. Then as time went on, like Paul said, the lead frame, then you had lead. Then there was some other availability to be able to get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how long have you been doing uh, the mouth calls? Because it sounds like you started off with box calls yep. and then you eventually transitioned over to uh, mouth calls, which, you know, I'm going to have to scoop up a bo- one of your box calls because I have diaphragms and a, a pot call, but I don't have any of the box calls, but I'm very impressed with the mouth calls. So I imagine that the box calls are pretty good, too. Um, but so how long have you been doing the mouth calls? Uh, mouth calls, uh, started them back in 09 commercially. Okay. Yep. So that's, uh, about 14 years, I think. Yeah. But you were doing that before. It sounds like when, in the early days of figuring this thing out, you were doing it, but you didn't start actually, we're going to start selling these things until, uh, 09. Correct. Yep. That is correct. Because people like what they're really good at and the box I was honing on, just getting them down. And I was only like two or three different woods and different wood styles and different design. I just want to get it right, get it right, get it right, get it right, get it right. And it was firing. It was it, it was right. And it was getting right. You know what I mean? But when you're getting right, in the back of your mind, you think, well, I got to change something. Maybe I need to change something. It's getting old. People's used to this. Maybe they don't want this design anymore. And I think that's what happens with a lot of companies and, you know, in, in a lot of manufacturers because they think, well, I got to change this. I got to change that. I got to I got to keep going, involving. You know what I mean? Not really. I don't I really don't think you do. That's why you don't see a lot of model changes in my line. You know, it's it works. I mean, yeah. it works. It's dead's dead when you're calling a bird. What more do you want? You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't fix it if it ain't broken. That's it. Thank you, brother. That is it. And and that just kept going in my mind. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, I'm not going to change a lot, you know? So so with that, then I guess you kind of, at least at this point, you don't really experiment with other different types of woods, right? You kind of, you found what you like, and that's what you use to make your calls. No, no, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. No, I experiment. My shop is full with different woods and different stuff that I'm, you know, working on like R and D. There's just so much that I'm working on. And I'm I'm getting ready to come out this spring with a new box. Oh. It's gonna be on the same design as my uh, purple heart mahogany, but I've got some different woods on it, the different woods the way I build it, and it's a totally different sound. Totally do, different. Do you find um when you're switching between woods that you might need say like to change the dimensions on the lid a little bit, make it a little thinner, a little, a little thicker, a little heavier. Yep. Get the sound that you want. Yep. Yep. We call that shelf on the bottom. Yep. You want to change that a little bit. So how does a guy or are you, cause I imagine if you're spending day after day, you're making these box calls, you're cranking away on them. I imagine you, at some point in time, you need to have some fresh ears to it, no? Like, um, is there something that you do to maybe step away from it a little bit, maybe come back a few days later with some fresh ears and hear it, like, for tuning purposes, I guess? Like, how's the whole process of tuning a box call? Well, you would think. You would think that after a while but then again you get good at your craft and i always say it's hard to beat a man at his trade mm-hmm. we can all weekend warriors and do some plumbing do some roof fixing and fix some you know some cosmetic things but it's hard to beat a man at his trade so once you have that ear for that and and kind of know what you're looking for doesn't mean that's the best it doesn't mean you know what i mean well kill a turkey absolutely probably probably 80 percent of the time it'll kill a turkey so what I do is my kids have gotten older now and they kind of, you know, been involved with it and kind of know what uh, I'm looking for. There's nothing really outside of the ordinary to where a hen's going to make a different sound, a different yelp or a different cluck or a different whine. That's just going to sound so crazy that it's going to drive that gobbler crazy. So let's say the music in- industry, when they're swinging, singing, they got that extra background. They draw it out a little bit longer. He's still singing the 
dumb. You know what I mean? A hen's not doing that. So there's really not much more wine, uh, amplified, a whammy bar. You turn your amp up. You're not going to change the vocalizations of a hen. You know what I mean? They're still going to have the same sound. A gobbler, gobbler's gobble is still going to sound similar to the same on the east, you know, versus the Merriam. And, you know, in a Rio, they're, they're still going to gobble, you know, and I, and I hope that makes sense as I'm explaining that. And it probably, I'm not explaining it as good enough to be able to, to be able to say exactly. So the volume of the turkey is controlled by, you know, the hen, her, and, and the way we're running the call, but making it sound different, sexier, or more enticing, there's no such thing. Okay. You know what I mean? And really more that you can to do that. That's good. I like that you mentioned that. I think you can probably do uh, excitement, right? You can probably manipulate that with the way that you're calling. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if you can make it to the point where the gobbler thinks that hen over there is a 10. I got to (laughs) go. You got like, look at when somebody's singing and recording. You know, you hear them live. Man, they sound funny. They get in that studio. They sound like a million bucks well spent. Yeah. Yep. So you can't really do that to a turkey call. You know what I mean? Their cadence, cadence, cadence is, you know, important. The sound yeah. is important. So you can take 10 men. We can line 10 men up and tell us the same sentence. We all say the same words. We get we say it different with accents and pronunciations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But we still get the same word done. And the hen is the same way, you know, in, in Kansas. The, the, the Rios sound a little bit different. Some people say they they sound a little more whiny than the Eastern, you know, but it's at the end of the day, it's the same talk. So I'm actually glad you kind of brought that up. I know you kind of touched on the Miriams. Um, do you, does, does a person need to have a different tone of a call when going after a Rio or a Miriams versus like something real throaty, like an Eastern, do you need a higher pitched call? I think a high pitch call you should have with you, but do you need that? Absolutely not. I don't think so. Cause I've, you know, the slam we've, we've, you know, we've accomplished that, um, with the same, the setup that I have here. So if, you know, we're talking about my calls, I built my, my stuff to sound 100% Turkey, no matter where you go. You know what I mean? So you can, uh, hunt Minnesota, you can hunt Texas. You can hunt Kansas. You can you can hunt you know all those birds. But yes, they they do have a little different pitch to them, a little bit different sound to them. So you know, it's 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 good to place that call that you want to have obviously with you in your vest. But no, one hundred percent, you don't. Okay. Get get getting back to what you were saying about a a yelp is a yelp, you know, and a cluck is a cluck, and you know I've. I've kind of pigeonholed myself. I, I generally when I, I've been using diaphragms for, forever, and I usually just have like one or two, and it's the same, the same diaphragm. And I, I find you know you get guys that are switching between calls and back and forth. You know I got to try my pot. I got to pull this call out and try that to see if I can strike a gobbler. And I find you know just adding a little different inflections. You know just pick up pick up the cadence a little bit. You know. A little louder, a little something, just adding a little something that I'm doing personally, not not the call. It kind of has the same effect that you hear when, when guys are talking about, you know, I got to switch. They go out with the Santa sack full of calls and they weed through them trying to get that, that response. Yep, absolutely. And that's the same thing, like I said, aqua box. Guys when they're on the lakes and they're fishing, what are they doing? Pitching lures, pitching plugs, pitching till they find one that hits. You know, when they start catching um, fish that day, they take that same lure tomorrow, the fish shut it off. Same thing with turkeys. You killed a bird today with that call. You can go back to a different area or the same area tomorrow. Nothing. Nothing. That's why you got your vest. You're going to your box. You're going to your different glass. You're going to your crystal. You're going to your sleep. You're trying a different diaphragm. You're trying different locators. And you may throw the whole kitchen sink out that day and leave that area, get in your truck and go home and think, man, I don't, I'm not really much of a turkey hunter, but you know what? I'm going to go back tomorrow. You go back in there where you left off, 
set it to base a tree, ow, 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 four toms all around you. They were there the whole time. They just had girls with them. All right. See, that's me almost every day of turkey season. <laughs> but I some pictures on Facebook. You've been killing some birds early. You've been killing some birds every year, man. Yeah. So, yeah, we start, shoot. We April, start April like fourteenth or the, whatever seventeenth. Yeah, the second week of April. But in here in Minnesota, man, it could be it could be cold. It could be really cold. And I know oh man, this was like four years ago. It was opening morning was something like twelve degrees and there was eight inches of snow on the ground. And I'm sitting out there, I roosted a bird the day before, and I'm sitting out there and I'm just thinking, I'm like this is horrible. What this is like spring turkey season. There's eight inches of snow on the ground and I'm freezing. And the birds didn't actually even talk that morning because the snow was so crunchy. They heard my approach coming in, even though I got there really early. They still heard crunch, 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 crunch. And uh then on another ridge over, I ran over there. And then while on that other ridge and I start calling, then the bird on the ridge I was on starts gobbling and it's it's too late by then i already moved um but so i kind of want to touch a little bit more on uh, on your mouth calls so for uh well how many different models do you carry do you know is it something like yep. 14 or something i think right yep. 14 i'm getting ready to do 14 okay uh, different read and different cut if, um if you had if you had to take one to the woods tomorrow which one would you grab Three read. I'm a three read nut. Love a three read. Three read. Any particular cut? Yep. V cut. Crow's cut. Uh, uh, fallen hoof cut. Whatever you want to call it. Just got that rat. You can just run it. And I run raspy wherever I go. I just I just love it. Yeah. Paul's and, a V cut guy too. Yep. And a lot of it, guys, um, with a turkey uh, diaphragm call is what the person likes. Because normally when you buy one, you're running like, man, this is it. And we always run and 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 take one to the woods that we like. Not necessarily the gobblers like, but we always get one we like. Mm -hmm. Um, so of the different mouth calls, well, actually, really quick, um, what's your opinion on like the like the two and a halves, you know, or or like a, a four read read call? Yep. yep, love two and a half. I built a ghost uh, ghost cut two and a half it's called Windjammer. It's got that high pitch. You need a key key. Um, you can elk bugle with it. it ha and then you can drop it off into a rasp. It's perfect. Uh, four read. And I'm glad you brought that up. A lot of the old manufacturers uh, back in the day was Paul Butsky, Baker mm -hmm. uh, Boy, Lomans that uh, built a four read. And, and I was always said I was a kind of a windy guy. And you need the biggest read boy that you can get, which I can blow pretty much you know, the big reeds. And back then uh, I cut my teeth on, um, you know, on a three and a four reed. And I like four reed. And as time went on, a lot of the manufacturers and your big names just dropped off of the four reed. Um, reason why, because it, it's a lot of rubber. It's a lot of rubber in your, rubber in your mouth. And, uh, and I think they were afraid that a lot of people can't blow them. But to me, that three, three and a half, four reed, it's like the box call is 100% turkey. That's why I built a four reed, and it's called Cutter Magnum. And it's uh, it's easy to blow the way I stack it in the uh, the latex that I it uh, it runs, but it 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 sounds turkey. So when you say the the the, the older companies they they stopped making the three and four reed or the four reeds because you know you said it was an airflow issue you think it's the guys aren't using their diaphragm enough to get you know the i guess it wouldn't be the volume of air but the force of the air across the call yeah i would say uh i would say that have something to do with it because you got a lot of the older gentlemen the old windier guys you know what i mean that's probably has passed on by now and the four read it's it's a lot of rubber it's a lot of rubber in your mouth as we use that terminology because you got a lot of latex in there. So in up and coming people just started getting in turkey hunting that couldn't blow a four reed. So they were scared to put a four reed pack in your Kmart, uh, your Menards or your Zares or not just picking on any kind of retail or big box store, but just those stores that would have that. So that's Zares. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard Zares in 
forever. <laughs> I'm kind of there, Shopper City. Yeah, I'm kind of dating age, but I really don't want to date myself. But <laughs> sorry you, for interrupting you. <laughs> that's all right. But when you have them in there, um, they just hung there because people would get them and say, "Boy, their calls are not that good because they bought one." Well, they bought the wrong one. You know, so a lot of the manufacturers back then, I think, got a little gun shy and a little bit with them. So what I did is I started stacking them, started building them, putting my cuts in them. And I would take them to outdoor shows and I would run them. I would play them. I'll play them there. And 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 guys are listening to it. It's like, man, you like that? I said, yep, yep. Here, here, try one. So he'd get one out of the pack and he'd run. It's like, oh, my goodness, that is turkey. That is 100% turkey. I haven't heard that for years. Nobody makes them no more. Then after you start doing that at outdoor shows, then it becomes a wildfire. Then it starts spreading. Then now I can come out to with them on my website. Then I can bring them out to my dealers. Then when people see, you know, Cutter Magnum is what I call mine, Cutter Magnum 4 read, and you have them guys buy them and, and works good. But guys, let me tell you, I don't stop there. I build six reads for guys. There's guys want six reads. That's, uh, that's pretty intense because I've actually never even heard of six read. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I'll build pretty much any kind of diaphragm anybody wants, but six reeds. I can run them, but you almost need an air compressor to run them. Now, these boys are six foot six, 400 pounds. They're, they're, they're windy boys, but they can run them. Yeah, for sure. And so the two and a half, are those just easier to use, or do you get a different tone with them? Or what's the difference from there with the, the I would say three is standard, correct? Yep, yep. Three is pretty standard now. Uh, a two read is good. Uh, it's easier to blow because when somebody buys one off the shelf, they want to be able to get sound out of it. Two reads good. Two and a half, you can kind of get that mid range rasp in it, which is good. But three reads is pretty standard. I make um, I make two different doubles. I make a young hen and I make a raspy hen. Mm. So if somebody was going to, let's say somebody's been using. Uh, you know, uh, box calls or, or slate calls, uh, and they wanted it to get into uh, mouth calls. Which of your mouth calls would you recommend they look into? Yeah, if they never if they never run a mouth call before, I would start with Young Hen, Raspy Hen, uh, Windjammer, and Cackle Master. So you got a double, a double read. I put two slits on the side. Uh, the Windjammer, two and a half. I put a ghost cut in it. Then the cockle master is a three read. I put a half moon cut right on the edge, right on the edge of the uh, latex. So once you get running them, and I tell people when they come to my booth when we do out outdoor shows, you got elementary, middle school, and high school. So you got your doubles, 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 threes, 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 three and a half, and fours is as high school. You don't just skip third grade and go to high school. Once you master these, then you could run any call that's ever made. That's great. Um, the uh, your your two and a half or your two and a half, you say you just notch the corner out. Would that be something similar to like the cut and two and a half that HS Strut would make? Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. Different uh, different latex, but yes. All right. That would that would have been that would have been my first go to back in the day. Would have been. Yep. would have been the cut in two and a half. Yeah, two two and a half is important to have. So uh, I know you make uh, the pot calls too. Uh, do you mind kind of talking a little bit about your pot calls? No, absolutely. I make glass. I make split personality. It's glass. It's double sided. You got slate on the back. I make a crystal hen. It's just straight crystal, and I uh, put that into a Osage pot. And I make a uh, lunum called Fatal Traction. I put that in a sycamore pot. Guilty Pleasure is a crystal on one side. You flip it over on the back side, you got aluminum. I'm coming out with a new one this year. Is uh, It's going to be called Misunderstood. It's going to be in a laminate pot. It hasn't hit the market yet. It's not on my website. It's uh, a black walnut with Osage, Osage orange. And it's going to be black iodized aluminum. just has a good, raspy, deep, throaty sound of an old hen yeah and, that sounds good just hearing about it oh it's 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 nasty it's uh it's it's good mm-hmm. it is definitely good and the wood that you put into these pots you don't just say i'm going to put this playing surface in i'm going to put this soundboard i'm going to put this wood and i spend 
two to three, four years taking these out in the field and I run them and I got some other guys running them to see, you know, the acoustic sound of them, um, what they sound like. So when I say you don't just put them in a different pot or you just pick the wood to put them in, that's like acoustic guitars. They use certain woods for it because when you're hitting the strings, you get that different echo, different sound out of it. And it's the same thing with a pot call. It's acoustic. And I tell people when you when you got a good turkey call that is hand built and 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 manufactured custom, it's no different than the instrument. The more you play it, the better you get. Right. And I, it, I think it tunes the call a little bit too. The 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 vibrations helps helps the resonance, I guess, of the of the of the wood. Because there's yep. from what from what I've been reading and what I've been finding out is there's certain woods. I guess they'd call them acoustical woods or whatever, but they 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 um, lend themselves to resonation, the vibration in the wood, where other other woods aren't aren't quite quite as um, resonating. I guess for overusing that word. That's correct. Yep, absolutely. It's vibration. Vibration. What sends that signal? And so, would you mind kind of breaking down the different? Um, there's actually two things I, I want to ask. Uh, one is breaking down uh, the different surfaces of the uh, pot calls and kind of where they're kind of most beneficial. And then uh, I'm going to ask, what is the the what is the way you prefer to condition the calls? What is the preferred uh, material for conditioning some of these calls? Because uh, I know kind of different manufacturers kind of have... Uh, different things they like to use. Um, so I kind of like to hear from you what you prefer to condition your calls with. Well, slate, let's talk about slate first. Slate's been late seventies, early eighties, trusty slate. You always hear about slates. Slate's good. I always carry a slate. I like a slate call, but I'm more of a glass. I like, uh, I like glass call, especially in a heavy dew morning. You've got a frosty morning or you got a damp morning with the right strike striker. Glass is good because when you get a slate damp, they're done. Slate, slate, uh, they, they, they dampen out. My, so my, my aluminum gets slippery in the morning when there's dew out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And aluminum, I was going to next aluminum. It almost reminds you of a two stroke motorcycle. The harder you run it, the better it runs. But aluminum likes a warm morning with the air rise up. You got the sun shining. You don't have no heavy dew to where it don't matter what any striker you put on that call, it'll run. The harder you run it, the better it runs. That's how I kind of compare aluminum to a two-stroke. I, I shot my first turkey to a, an old illuminator, mad uh, call illuminator. Very boys. <laughs> and I yeah. and and it, it amazed me because I was playing it so lightly, I could barely hear it. I can't believe that that turkey 200 yards heard it. And he, yep. and he come running right in. Yeah, they hear it. Them uh, aluminum stuff. And that was probably a mid-morning, late afternoon, or it could be an evening hunt, which a lot of the guys up north, you you boys can hunt evening. Down here, 12, right. we're done. Yeah, right. we could go well, till they, sundown. Yeah. Yep. Now we can. For, for the longest part, it was... I think it was noon, and then they extended it to three for a little while, and now they got us going all day. Yeah, that's why I like coming up your all's way. Up at Northwest, you can hunt all day, man. You can you can run. You do at about two, three days. When you hit the bed about right after dark, you're ready to go to sleep, man. The sap's clean out of you. You're tired. It's kind of one of the reasons I like going to Missouri is because they cut you off early. Then you can take your nap and you got get it. rested and— feed your face and then go out roosting yep again just here in west virginia we do that we hunt till noon we trout fish then we look for mushroom mushrooms some rails then we look for sign then we feed our face and and be checked out but but i want to get back to what you was asking me about surfacing a lot of, a lot of the manufacturers calls they want you to rub that call one way uh for instance my split personality it don't matter which way you take it because the way i manufacture and build that call I, I bead blasted. I bead blast that glass. So right out of that pack, no matter where you put that striker on that call, it makes a turkey noise. So I do that because I want the end user to be able to right out of the pack. They don't have to decide, okay, which way do I go with the sandpaper? Do I go this way, horizontal, to go vertical? You put a striker on it, it's it's ready to rock. And my aluminum, pretty much every that I build, it's set up that way. 
So you said sandpaper. Is that a is that what you commonly use, or are you switching between depending on the surface? You go and steel wool on one, sandpaper on another. Uh, slate. I would do Scotch Brite, just a green Scotch Brite. You can get dollar store for there's your sink. But as far as uh, like my glass, crystal, uh, eighty grit. 120, you can do it. Um, aluminum, same thing, 80, 120. Can a person ever sand too much? Is that a thing? Uh, with my stuff, no. You, you you really can't because I build it up. Now, can you pot belly a call? That's like when you lay that call there and you sand one spot, you kind of get that pot belly like a pig, how it kind of sags down. Can you do that? Absolutely. But will it still run? It'll still run. Yeah, one of the uh, first really nice uh, pot calls that I bought. It's a uh, it's glass. I I pot bellied it. Just be trying to figure it out, trying to figure out uh, how to condition it right and all that. And I just I think I over sanded it because I was sanding pretty much in just one little spot, you know, on on the, the glass call. And then over the years, I started noticing it kind of dipped down. Um, since I've retired that call, if somebody does that to their call, uh, are those calls still good? Can a person still use that call or is that kind of when you want to retire the call? No, absolutely not. Because every call has got a sweet spot, a sweet spot on. I'm glad you brought that up, too, because like all of my pot calls that when it comes in a packaging and then ends up in a retail store, when you get it, there will be a little playing spot on that call. The only one that I manufacture won't be a playing spot on it is a split personality. You can play that call anywhere. Is there a sweet spot on it? Absolutely. Does it sound turkey all the way around it? Absolutely. It's just find it to the ear of what you like. So it might be the spot that I like. You don't necessarily like, you know what I mean? But far as my crystals, um, the slate call, the final fly down, that's another one. Don't have a sweet spot on it. Anywhere on that slate, slate you, it's trusty slate. You you can't go wrong with a slate. You just keep playing it, spinning it. You'll find the sweet spot. But all the other calls, I will bead blast a little spot on that call so that person knows when they take it out of that pack, take that striker, put that uh, call in their hand, and, and play that call, they know exactly where to go. Of your pot calls, which one do you go into the woods with? Split personality for sure. That baby's deadly. You got two calls in one. You got a glass on one side, split on the other. The next one is guilty pleasure. Crystal on one side, aluminum. You got to have aluminum. Yeah, I imagine, uh, which is why I bought split personality. That slate, good for the morning, good for the tree talk. And then later on into the mid-morning, you can switch on over and use the other side and really get loud with it if you need to or or get more versatile with it. Um, if you were going to recommend one of your uh, pot calls, uh, which one would you recommend a, a person look into? Split personality. Okay, cool. Yeah. We're going with the split personality. That's the one I got. So I'm cool with that. <laughs> I've known some women, women like that. It is. Oh, that's a good one. And, and it's funny you guys said that, but every call that I have, if you go in and look at the names of them, there's a reason behind every one that I manufacture. You want <laughs> That's even <reason>. better. <laughs> yep. There's a reason. Um, so I guess from the calls that you've used, and it sounds like you guys field test your calls for a few years, which I think that's very impressive. Most people, most call companies, I imagine, they're just trying to get that product out there, get it on the shelf and make some money. So the fact that you guys take a few years, a few seasons to really dial things in, have different guys try them out. So that way you're 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 putting out a product that you have uh, confidence in. Um, of your calls, which of your calls do you think is just like dynamite? Like this is the call like that, that that bird that doesn't want to talk or whatever, which is the call in your lineup that this is the call you're going to use to get after that bird? Okay, the best call is uh, to have a split personality. That's a glass and a slate double side. Uh, second one would be my purple heart mahogany box call. You got you got to have that one with you. And I'm going to say uh, mountain mama. 
That is my West Virginia call, Mountain Mama three reed mouth call. Those three calls is deadly. No matter where you're hunting at or wherever you're going, you're gonna you're gonna get on some birds. You're gonna kill some birds with that. And I get asked sometimes about as far as uh, call shy birds. Um, is it the call or is it the person that's calling? Because some a lot of people would get excited when spring comes, the weather changes. They want to go out there with a box call. They want to ride the roads. They want to do everything they can. They want to call and call and call and call to get that bird to gobble. And a lot of people do that two, three weeks ahead of time. So a lot of times that's how the perception of call shy birds come into the place. Um, what I like doing is uh, I like going with a double reed mouth call, something soft, something easy to blow. When everybody right. else is blowing hard, I like to, to back it. To back, to back you up a little bit, you know, you were talking about everybody out there two, three weeks ahead of time. Do you think it's they're getting call shy or do you think that they're getting used to seeing people in certain areas and are getting shy from the areas? Yeah, I think the areas. I'm I'm, I'm going to go with that because they get they get used to that, and and the turkeys get used to a certain sound and a different pitch of the calls that they're using. And a lot of times when the guys do that, they're using the box store stuff. So when it comes time to to hunt the turkeys and kill them, they're used to that. Then when the custom call makers come in, the guys got them in their vests and they're walking out past those guys, putting those birds in the truck. They're like. Man, what'd you have? What are you doing? What are you using? How'd you do that? You know, it's like position. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, something with all all of that stuff, because I know, I know, at least for me, in my experience, um, uh, I like, like you mentioned, that we could go after birds all day uh, up, up north up here. So there's certain spots that I have that I'll go there between like 3 to 5 p.m., they're not used to hearing people at that time. You know, that's the time that the hens have normally kind of left or they're doing their own thing, the gobblers alone, and people people kind of stop hunting around, I would say around noon, you know, um, and even, you know, by like sooner, 10 sooner o'clock. Sooner than that even. Yeah. yeah, but I would say, yeah, some of the guys – for the most part by around noon that's about it so i'll go back to some of those spots around that three to five and i i i have had them hammer at like the very first call sequence you know um and uh and then yeah then people just buying the the big box store stuff you know just having that that more unique call i think is going to give you that a little bit of that edge before before i cut you off you were getting into a two read call or something like you you were gonna say about what you try to use against what a supposed call shag bird? Yep, yep, absolutely. That uh, just to read, it doesn't take a lot of air. So when you want to call soft, you can really just control that air and bring it over top of your tongue and and bring it up out of your diaphragm, and it doesn't take a whole lot of air. When people's getting out of the car or out of the truck and they got the music still ringing in their head and, you know, the conversations they had, they want to get out and they want to blow that because the first thing they want to hear, they want to hear a gobble. I get it. You wait all year to hear that gobble. You know what I mean? But when you back it down and you start using them, you know, that double read or two and a half or a light stack three read, you can get the same response out of those birds. Because I always like to back up falling down a little bit. It's always good to get aggressive, but those cases you don't mm-hmm. um so uh if a person i know we already touched on this but just to kind of end it um if a person wants to purchase uh one of your calls uh how can they do that uh i would go to the local sporting goods store if you get in there and you don't see hardy's custom game calls in there if you want them in that store you reach out to me to talk to that owner of that store or you reach out to the owner of the store and reach out to me or the best way at the end is uh, hardyscustomcalls.com. And uh, you also sell uh, deer and waterfall and predator calls as well for anybody looking into those. Yes, sir. Yep. We do waterfowl. We do deer. Um, we do some predator calls too. We started, we cut our teeth with the turkey calls, but we no doubt noticed over the years, all the turkey hunters, they hunt waterfowl, they hunt deer, they hunt ducks. They're, they're, they're big in their predator calls and, and they're going out and buying somebody else's calls. And they come back to me and says, Hardy, you need to figure out how to build one. I'm like, well, yeah, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. 
uh, yeah, uh, folks, I definitely recommend uh, scooping up one of Hardy's calls. Um, I have uh, I have a handful of them, and uh, they are in my rotation. Um, so with that said, uh, Ronnie, thank you very much for uh, doing this, and uh, we'll get you next time. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Have a good pleasure one. meeting you. Pleasure meeting you, Ronnie. Yeah. You might sure. you might be get you might be getting an email separate from me and bugging you about how you're making your box calls. Yeah, I welcome that. All right, cool. Thank you for listening to the Off the Roost podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. You could also follow us on Instagram at Off the Roost Calls and on TikTok at Off the Roost Pod. Stay tuned for future episodes where we'll do our best to keep you informed on the latest in turkey hunting. And try to remember the heritage that surrounds the elusive and sometimes mystical animal that is the wild turkey. Thank you.